0: Week 24 is the 10th commandment. We've really been going at these 10 commandments that summarize God's will for us. They summarize God's um, requirements for how we ought to live. And that, when we get to sanctification, that's so important why I'm putting it in this order. Because sanctification is the Holy Spirit working in us to help us obey, to enable us to obey just the commandments themselves won't help us they'll just remind us that we can't obey so we need the gospel we need the sanctifying work of the spirit to help us obey in fact we need the work of the spirit so that we would even want to obey or care about obeying so that's where we're headed but right now week 24 the 10th commandment what is the 10th commandment exodus 20:17 you shall not covet your neighbor's house you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or, here's a key word for you, anything that is your neighbor's. Covet means to have this burning desire to have something that's not yours. So it speaks to jealousy a little bit, it speaks to greed a little bit, And more than any other commandment, this commandment speaks directly to our hearts. All of God's commandments are about the heart. They're not just about outward religion. They're not just about going through the motions outwardly. They're all about our heart, whether our heart will be committed to love others, whether our heart will be committed to love God. But more than any other commandment, this commandment speaks directly to the heart. In the heart, you shall not covet What does the 10th commandment require of us? It requires being content with what God has given us. Thankful for his kindness and care for us. And happy for how God has blessed others. Which would be the opposite of being jealous that God has blessed this person more than me in this area. Or bitter because God has given them this I've been praying for this for 15 years, yet, you, God, you give this to this person over here to be happy for how God has blessed others, to rejoice in that for them and with them. It, it requires being content with what God has given us. That means uh, being really just being at peace with the life God has given you. It doesn't mean you can't pray for growth. It doesn't mean you can't pray for things or pray for more according to God's will. But to be content in the heart, to be thankful for his kindness and care for us, and happy for how God has blessed others. Now that doesn't come naturally, does it? That's something we have to pray for. That's something we have to teach our children and train our children and ourselves continue to be taught in and trained in and pray for a heart that would be content, thankful, and happy for how God has blessed others. What does the 10th commandment forbid? Obviously, it forbids the opposite of those things, right? It forbids bitterness, for what God has not given us, it forbids ingratitude, being ungrateful, that comes from ignoring his kindness and care. And if you read Romans one eighteen through the end of the chapter in your devotions later today, Romans one eighteen to the end of the chapter, you'll see that not being thankful to God as God, not giving thanks to God as God is sort of a... Uh, A root sin that leads to idolatry and leads to immorality and leads to rebellion. Simply not being thankful to God for all that he's done. It forbids ingratitude that would come from ignoring his kindness and care. And it forbids selfish craving after what God has given others. And when you see the word covet in the command, you shall not covet this. You shall not covet that. That's what it's speaking like straight to, immediately to this. A selfish craving for what God has given you. That's me coveting something God has given you. What does the 10th commandment teach us about God? Do you kids remember this? That all the commandments, ultimately what they're doing is they're teaching us something about God. They're teaching us something about his command, about His character and about his will. It teaches us that God is all we need for true happiness and fulfillment. All right. So we shouldn't live as if this thing over here that I want. We shouldn't live as if this thing is going to be the key to my happiness. God is all we need for true happiness and true fulfillment. It teaches us that God gives us earthly blessings as a reminder of his goodness and care. We're not saying that earthly blessings don't exist. We're not saying that we shouldn't pray for earthly blessings. We're not saying that we should not enjoy earthly blessings. There are good things and blessings in this world. God has created those things, and he's given us those things to enjoy them and to enjoy life. But always, always they should be a pointer to him and a reminder of his goodness and care. But at the end of the day, he is all we need for true happiness and fulfillment. So no matter uh, if we're poor, if... uh, if things are taken away for us, if we're uh, oppressed or persecuted, whatever trials and tragedies, whatever loss we suffer from an earthly perspective, um, we have hope in God, a sure hope in God that cannot be taken away. They can take away our stuff, but they can't take away God. They can't take away our salvation. Now, uh, three passages. This perhaps is the longest section to the application question. I'm not sure about that, but I think it's the longest section to this last question that I have put on every commandment. What does this mean for Christians? First, it means that Christians should shine the light of contentment to the watching world. We should be a content people. We should be a people who have a peace about us with um, the lives that God have, has given us, not always be just craving for more. 1 Timothy 6, 6-10. Six but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich will fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving... That some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. This just speaks to the danger of being greedy. The danger of not having contentment. The danger of covetousness. We took nothing into this world and we could take nothing out of this world. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content. Second, it means that Christians should not be materialistic like the world around us. Luke 12, 15 through 21 Jesus said to them, take care, be on your guard. It's a powerful phrase there. Be on your guard, stand guard, be ready. Keep a watch. Be on your guard against all covetousness, because one's life doesn't consist in the abundance or in the amount of his possessions. And then he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. So he said, aha, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And I will there store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, or that's the way in the Bible saying, I'll say to myself, I'll say to myself, self, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Just live the easy life. Forget about your cares. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, but is not rich toward God. There's two problems that this rich man fell into uh, because of his, material, his materialism. One, he went to stand before God, and he wasn't prepared. He wasn't prepared. He didn't live for God. He didn't have faith. All he was worried about was material things. Now, but the great irony is the second problem for this guy All that stuff he lived for, all those riches he found fulfillment in, at least he thought, he had to leave them behind. They ultimately did him no good. And then the one ultimate good that he needed, he had no answer for. He stood before God. And you know what? All of his treasures, all of his possessions, they didn't help him at all. Did you think God was going to say to him, wow, you've really done well here on earth? no in fact he missed the point of life on earth finally third third it means that a, a christian's heart it means that a christian's heart is devoted to heavenly things centrally jesus christ right centrally a person devoted to heavenly things and not temporal things of this world temporal means temporary It means it won't last It means you can't keep it. it means it's going to be gone it's going to blow away like when you blow a dandelion and those things just go away Right, these are the things of the world. Matthew 6:19 through 21, some of my favorite verses. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Let God be your treasure. Let the blessings of heaven, forgiveness be your treasure. Sanctification be your tre- treasure. Let Jesus the living Lord be your treasure. It cannot be eaten by moths, cannot be stolen by thieves. You will not lose it. In fact, it will only increase and increase and increase once we leave this place. This speaks to the heart. You shall not covet anything of your neighbors. Don't, don't, don't be bitter. Don't have this selfish craving for what God has given this person. Rather, be thankful for what God has given us. Have contentment and peace And and this way we'll avoid being materialistic, but rather we'll shine the light of the peace of Christ to the materialistic world. Let's pray.